Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday to you, Texas All Access, on your dial right here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and so looking forward to getting to the Greenbrier. It's coming. It's coming. And my cohort in crime is with me, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, it's Happy not Friday. a crime. It's not a crime to love the weekend and love football. No. It's the great American way. I ask you this every single year, and I don't know if it's changed because we've gone to the Greenbrier, Greenbrier, and this is now to be the second year. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing you look forward to the most on training camp? The one thing. When it's over? No. Uh, <laughs> that's what the players <laughs> might say. That's exactly what the players say. Okay, day one, it's kind of like opening day of almost anything. Day yep. one is really special. Yeah. The funny thing about training camp is by the time you get to the end of day two, you're like, ooh. Key. We just that, play the games. Where's that first preseason game? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> That's why. What was the year? Was there a year where they had a joint practice going into week two? Oh, yeah. The Redskins in Richmond. Yes. That was kind of cool because we practiced for not even maybe a week. Yeah. And then you're on a plane going to Richmond for two or three days, whatever that was. Yeah. And I know hard knocks, and it's time to get them out of Richmond and all that. <laughs> the greatest line ever. But that wasn't bad at all. That really broke it up. It was kind of like going on, on a game trip, and it was only three days. Yeah. And then you come back, and you have like two, three more practices, and whammo, you're into the preseason games. I thought that that was a pretty cool preseason routine. Now, the Greenbrier does make it an adventure. Uh, I do look forward to day one, of course. I like, uh, look, here's what we get to watch that we don't get to see in OTAs or even during the regular season, you see padded starters against starters practice. They know they need that hard physical work. So the first couple of padded practices you see, that's what I look forward to. I want to see this because when we see Johnny, and you know this, when you see the 7-on-7 and OTAs or even the 11-on-11, even the first couple of days of camp, that's one thing. When you get the guys in pads, all of a sudden, hey, this passing game is harder to execute when guys are in pads. And yep. even even though we say receivers against DBs, you get that's the 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 most realistic competition you get in OTAs. Well, once you get the pads on, it is different. Yep. Uh, it's just tougher. A lot of bumping. A lot, you know, the pads are on. It's just the windows seem tighter to throw yep. into, and it just gets a whole lot tougher. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they cope with all of that. Last night, mm-hmm. Thursday night on the AFFL championship game. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, Fighting Cancer won a million bucks. That was fun to watch. Yeah. Because the non-pros, the Joes as they called yep. them, they didn't just do things in a in a pretty traditional manner. And I'm getting, I'm getting to something here in a little bit. But on the broadcast, interviewing Deshaun Watson, and he said, I'm 100%. Yep. I'm ready to go. 100% ready What'd to go. What'd that do to the old ticker when you heard that? You know... I figured it was the case, but yep. to hear it confirmed, yep. because we we talked about the video yesterday, right? right. We talked about the video. Where doing the ropes. Doing, if you haven't seen the video, he's doing the ropes course. He's got no brace on. He's doing the ropes course, I mean, and then he sprints and does some cuts, and you watch it, and you go, okay. I figured Johnny was 100%. Based on what I saw at the, Green, uh, Green, at the Houston Methodist Training Center for yep. OTAs, I thought he was 100%. But I still don't know this. I don't know how much they're going to actually let him do. It's one thing to be able yes. to do it. It's another thing to let him do it. Are they still going to ramp him up? Or are they going to say he takes every single rep in every single situation as the starting quarterback? I don't know. Or do you throw Whedon to the Wolves? Uh, you know, Obviously, he's going to wear the don't touch me jersey. I mean, that's, there's no question about that. He but should wear I, it in neon, just neon green. 
I just can't don't, miss it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what O'Brien's going to have him do. You know, and here's the other thing: once we get to the preseason games, how about this? Three weeks from this program, we'll be reacting to what just happened in oh, the preseason wow. opener. In three weeks, three weeks from last wow. night, they start the preseason. So. That flag football game was pretty interesting to watch, and yep. I didn't watch all of well, it. What do I you watched... think of that? You think that sport could actually yes. do some things? Really? Yes. It's I, I yes. If they if they grow it the right way, which is continue leave it where it is. The tournament concept, I think, is the, the qualifiers and all that. I think it's got a chance because it is it's it had enough cachet because there were some players that you were used to seeing. Right. It's got the pros versus Joes sort of yeah. uh, conflict, if you will. And there's just enough different. There's just enough nuance to it to go. It's different than than the NFL. It's different than the CFL. They're all different. Obviously, you're not hitting. But I love the mics down on the field. I thought that was great because you can hear the guys talking to each other. I thought it was fantastic. But it's just a different game. Everything happens right now. It is moving fast. You've yeah. got to throw the football. you got that timing clock. But – one of the things that came out of that game last night that I kept seeing, and I don't, I, don't, I don't remember the guy's name, but he ended up being the star of the game. But he looked like a miniature version of Colin Kaepernick. Right. He, his hair, his facial expressions, everything. He looked like a miniature Colin Kaepernick. Well, anyways, the fighting cancer team, the, the, the Joes, if you will, they would snap the ball to one guy, and he would hand it to that guy. And then that guy would then make the decision to throw a run. Because the guy who takes the snap is the quarter, technically the quarterback, and he can't run. Okay. Right. But that guy can take the ball, and he could run. Like the guy he hands off to, yeah. Okay, so I ask you this, because uh-huh. I saw this story. Right. Could a two-quarterback offense be coming to Baltimore? Oh, we hand off to Lamar Jackson. Well, this is what uh, – who wrote this? I think it was, it was, was it Florio. Well, Michael David Smith wrote this. That uh, Aditi Kikawala – I hope they said that right. NFL Network, she covers the Steelers. I think you did say that right. But she also covers the Ravens. She said that the Ravens have been running offensive plays in which both Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson both touched the ball. Huh. On the next play, uh, that was on one play, and then the next play, Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin III both touched the ball. And apparently the Ravens fans went nuts when they saw it. And so I got to thinking about that. And I don't think it's – I don't think it's widespread. I don't think it could be widespread. I think it's got to be the right guys. A play or two here or there. Do you think it could? I don't want to say catch fire, but do you think that could be the next trend? Because we've had trends that have come and gone. I mean, people talk about the zone read and, and you know, mm-hmm. the read option and all that kind of stuff. And then you saw the um, – uh, what was I going to say? You had that, then you had RPOs, and you had Wildcat. Right. You had a lot of, you had a lot of different – I've always wondered about this, though, because we see halfback options from time to time, yes. right? Well, what if the halfback is, a, is an adept thrower, right? An adept passer of the football. Right. Why don't you do a little bit more of this? Because you want to talk about play action, okay? That's the ultimate play action. I've actually handed off to a, quote, running back, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now those linebackers are like, oh, my gosh, I'm – I got to go play this. Right. Now you've got one-on-one matchups downfield. So as opposed to a running back, you need a guy like RG3 or Lamar Jackson right. who sees over the defenders and can kind of make a quick read and throw the football. Now, if you saw the Vander team playing flag football this spring, you would know that this is a regular part of the Vander offense. Well, that, this is why this is why I flag, you. we can't run the quarterback. I got a quarterback who can right. run. So occasionally we'll do a thing called 
I don't want to give away my place. No, don't I'll, give it I'll away. do a thing called Texan shift, right? Mm-hmm. So the quarterback steps to the right, and now one of the receivers steps in and takes the snap and just hands off to my quarterback. So great, he can run. So he can run if he okay. wants to. But what happens here, and in flag football in our situation, the rusher is seven yards deep, and he right. comes in without a count. Right. So the rusher, by that time, the rusher is usually there, okay? So you're, you by either, the time you make the exchange. Yeah, you got to be very careful with this, you know. It, but, but my quarterback goes, whoop, you know, he does a whoop move, yeah. and, he can, and the guy runs by him, and now he's got a split second to throw the ball. Or my quarterback will take the snap and throw out to the right side a lateral. The receiver, like a split receiver, will just take a step back, take a lateral pass, and now the rusher's got a long way to go to get to him, and now that receiver can chuck it deep or he can run it himself. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why would that not work in the NFL? Well, let's take the Ravens. It, it won't instance. work in the NFL because in, in flag, the way we play, you cannot cross the line of scrimmage unless you're that seven-yard deep rusher. In the NFL, if you throw a lateral out to the right side to a receiver, you better have a, a corner who's giving him a big cushion because otherwise the corner's going to come in and just play him. Sure. Now, the receiver could do whoop, and it's not flag football. You actually, actually have to tackle the guy, so that might work. But I think that I think versions of that can work to answer your question. But, you know, this is what – I'm not saying Braxton Miller can do this, but – Maybe that his type of guy could possibly do this, where you can pass and you're a good receiver and you can run with the football in space. Maybe there are some options like that. But what do coaches hate? Turnovers, risk, sure. uncertainty, lack of predictability. It's kind of like my golf game. If I get that seven iron out, do I know that I can hit my seven iron 150 yards? Eh, not all the time, you know. It's straight. That is, you yeah. know. Might go 145 to the left. Well, quarter, you know that you want predictability when you're playing golf. Like I know that this club can do this. Coaches want to know that this play can at least do this. And I think they get a little antsy with with stuff like this, with ideas like this. What if? What if you have Lamar Jackson, mm. and what if you put him to the left of Joe Flacco, right? And or left. You run like you run zone read, yep. essentially with mm-hmm. Joe Joe Flacco. Now Flacco is not going to run the ball. He's not going. to – I mean that defensive end. I mean they, they can they can probably figure it out well, defensive well, end at some point. Yeah. But you you hand the ball to Jackson. If you're a defensive end, what do you do? If you crash down, they give the ball to Jackson. Now Jackson's out on the flank, and he has the ability to throw it, mm-hmm. or he has the ability to turn with four three speed up the field. And if Flacco keeps it. As he fakes, everybody goes with Jackson. Flacco keeps it. Now you just run bootleg the other way. Well, but here's the thing, though. If I, if I just I'm, think there's possibilities. Th- there. there are there are possibilities. But if you hand off to Jackson, he's to your left. And I know this is radio; it's hard to visualize. Now let's say the defensive end. I, look, if I come crashing down, you're right. Jackson could step out to the left and run for ten yards, right? right? But if I play it just the way I was playing in the pass, if I just play Flacco right here, yeah, just now, pass rush. now Jackson, if he's going to stand and throw, I still have a pass rush coming in. I can still bracket him. If Jackson runs forward, well, go ahead and do that a few times and see how you're, how much you're, he likes getting hit. Yeah, see how he <laughs> likes getting hit and how the Ravens organization likes risking their high-profile QB crashing it. I mean, crashing, you know, rushing into the line, yeah. trying to trying to make yards between the tackles as a quarterback. I just I think with I think with Lamar Jackson, I would never run in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. I should say I wouldn't run in between tackles if he were my quarterback. I would have a couple design runs like the Texans did right. last year with Deshaun, and I would just tell him, you have a defender, you get down at some point. Yep. But I think you could take Lamar Jackson and put him next to him. You run zone read, and you just run Jackson like a wide mm-hmm. sweep, and you force them You force them to have to defend that. 
And if they start to defend that and they start sending defenders, well, then you just run a pass play off it. That's how the I, – I got – I've been thinking about this idea for a long time, and people question this. I had the idea back in 2004 mm-hmm. to put two Virginia Tech quarterbacks in the field. They had a guy named Brian Randall, and they had Mar- Michael Vick's brother, Marcus. Yep. And they were battling for the quarterback spot, and I said, I remember put them both, both out there. Yeah. Put them both out there because here's what you can do with Vic. He's a receiver as well. He played receiver in the bowl game with Randall. Put them out there together and see what happens. Virginia Tech fans are like, no, you could And then a couple fans were like, you know what? The more I think about that, that's got some possibilities. As long as they're athletically capable to handle the non-quarterbacking part of it. Because you've got to be willing to risk that as well, a coach. Right. And you've got to be willing to handle that or able to handle that as a player. You know, and, and in flag football, like what you were talking about last night with that championship game, well – they're not going to die playing flag football. <laughs> but, but, you know, the flag gets pulled. Worst case scenario, they're going to pull the flag, okay? Yeah. In, in NFL football, a lot of bad things can happen in this scenario. You know? It's true. By the way, um, you know, bringing up Watson and design runs and everything, I was just it just reminded me of the highlight video that's going to be run on ABC 13 yeah. Saturday night at 11 o'clock. People have to see this because, you know, there is one of those design runs in there, but that's not the reason. The reason is because Watson's mic'd up from time to time. And Watson, or maybe it's Hopkins, but you hear him talking on the sideline. One of those conversations, and you saw it, Fuller, yeah. Hopkins, Watson. And they're talking about something with, you know, pass patterns or whatever. And then, you know, whatever route they're running. And then Watson just said, yeah, when that happens, just go to the end zone. Just go to the end zone. <laughs> I mean, it's it was, just beautiful. I think it was the Chiefs game. I think just go to the end zone. Just go to the end I'll zone. I'll find you. Yeah, exactly. I love is, him. Which is perfect. I mean, if Braxton could still throw, you if you put Braxton next to Deshaun, you got to respect it. How about the jet sweep they ran with Braxton in the Cleveland game? How about that's what I'm saying? About, no, Braxton, that's what I'm saying though, Mark. That's exactly across, what I'm saying. Take, oh, it's a forward pass though. You'd have to hand it off. You'd have so, to hand it off. So he hands off to him, and then Braxton, instead of running around the left side, just stops, plants, sets his feet goes deep. It is wide open. Somebody's I, wide open. I know. You know the the play that Sammy Coast scored? You remember he sat right there, and he told us he scored on the play in the famous kick six game in 2013. Right. He scored on the oh, right play before it. right before it. You know how he scored? They ran zone read, but they faked the run, and the quarterback, Nick Marshall, came running out to the left like Braxton would be, uh-huh. and the defensive back got sucked up. Coach ran by him. Marshall hit him for a touchdown. It's that same exact play. That, I'm, it can that ha- was a great interview with Coates because he talked about how he made that huge play, but nobody remembers, nobody remembers it. it. Remember the <laughs> he signed six. the game with like 59 seconds left. Oh, my gosh. That's like that You know, Hale Flutie game was in the 40s. You yeah. know, all the great plays made in that game, oh, nobody remembers anything. Yeah, Bernie Kosar was so good, nobody remembers. Mark, yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Who are the most intriguing players to watch at training camp? DP Sudo joins us next for her list right here on Texas Access. It is Friday. Welcome back. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Joining me right now is one of my good friends and looking so forward to all the things we get to do at the Green Bar, except for one that we love to do when we go on road trips, and that's the shop. It's my good friend, DPC. <laughs> I thought you were going to say go see movies because, Johnny, oh, first of one. all. I got one. What's coming out? Are you check the movie schedule? Yes, I already have. I've gone to a number of movies this summer. I've got teenage kids. They like to go to movies. 
So I've seen all kinds of stuff. Tag was absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's out. I do want to see that. Tag was so funny. So it's inappropriate at times, but so funny. Which is sad because my kids want to see it because it's based on a true story. But I'm like, I don't think it's one of those type of movies. Not Incredible, a kid's movie. Incredibles 2 was outstanding. I saw that. We saw, um, gosh, what was, uh, oh, I saw Uncle Drew. My daughter wanted to go see Uncle Drew. Uh, and it was better than I expected. It wasn't too Chris bad. Chris Webber and Lisa Leslie and Nate Robinson, Reggie Miller were all excellent. Shaq, they were all excellent. I mean, really, really good. So when I was there, I saw a preview. This was actually a couple months ago. I saw a preview. Yes. And I saw the date of August 3rd, and I went, that's the movie <laughs> Deepy and I are going to see. It's Mila Kunis. And oh, Kate, uh, Kate McKinnon. The spy who dumped me. Yes. I'm already all over it, Jenny. Yes. It might be a 25 on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 25%. Who cares? That's I think that's our movie. I think in Uncle Drew, Tiffany Haddish was in there. And she I, was. And last was. year, I'll never forget, I roped John Harrison to see Girls Trip with me. What a great sport. Not only did you go, you I, laughed as hard as I did. Oh, no, I was. I, Such a chick flick, but we had so much fun. I, see, that's the thing. To me, One I One of my don't favorite care. memories off the field from West Virginia last year. I laughed my, I laughed my butt <laughs> off. It was <laughs> a riot. And I thought, you know, if we come back here, we got to have a movie to go see. So, the spy who dumped I'll me. I'll totally see that with you. It it's could, a deal. It could be twenty five percent Rotten Tomatoes, but it doesn't you know, matter. That's kind of our thing on the on the road, so we got to go do that because <laughs> we're not going to really be able to shop in Lewisburg unless we go to the Greenbrier, and that's you know that's a little bit outside of my bank. There account, are really so. no stores there, yeah, there's so nothing really there. there's also that. The ones that are there, it's like it's like Brooks Brothers. On steroids. You know, they've got, like, oh, all the, the nicest things you could possibly... In the Greenbrier. In the Greenbrier. You're obviously so. not talking about where we were staying, where there Ooh. were no restaurants. Uh, there were restaurants, but there were no stores. Right, and there were no stores. How, how Walmart. People, that's, there was a Walmart. That's, that was it. I asked that Mark Vandermeer, I said, where do people in West Virginia buy clothes? And he said, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, duh. That's it. Yeah, so, Walmart, that's where you're going to yeah, go. So I'm probably no shopping. My guess is, in Charleston, there's probably some nice stuff. There's probably some nice places. Oh yeah, Charleston's my guess super is, nice. But I but that's kind of far. Yeah, that's kind of far. So I don't think we're going to be able to. So get movies, there, it is Johnny. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm totally cool with that. But uh, but looking forward to that. You had uh, a guy that I was a huge fan of when I was covering college football many many years ago, Seneca Wallace, and you had him in the other day. Uh, yeah, for interview. How was he? He was fantastic, and I get to give a shout out to JJ Moses. Oh yeah, who I hooked me up connection. with that? Who hooked me up with that interview? He's a good friend of his, and and we had talked about Seneca off the year many many times, even mm-hmm. before Seneca was here. Obviously, he was here for that AFFL flag football right. ultimate final championship. He was the pros. They lost, right. but he had been. His stats were just amazing yeah. heading into that championship game. Like He was tearing it up. He was tearing it up. Even NFL Network was all over it. All the guys were mic'd up, so you could hear him talking trash about being 37 <laughs> years old and how he still got it as he rushes in for a touchdown. Now, granted, it's seven on sevens, but you know it was a great interview. It's up on uh, HoustonTexans.com. It's on iTunes, the latest Deep Slant podcast. He talks about seven on sevens and how quarterbacks just love that. And I thought, you're not the only one because when we go out to practice – that's our favorite. That's our favorite yeah. to watch. I seven mean, minus, minus the team, but we don't really get to see a lot of team outside of training camp, yep. and uh, definitely not. In, I mean, a few in OTAs, but seven on sevens, kind of where all the fun happens. Yeah, that is. You get to see the passing game, and of course, with the receiver core that's here, you get to see Hopkins do magical things, and of course, with Will Fuller, Will Fuller. QT, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce, and Braxton, you get to see these guys do some stuff in seven on seven, which is kind of fun. It's always typically. 
seven-on-seven will take place a lot of times in training camp at the same time that one-on-ones with the offensive line, defensive line are taking place. So it's like, man, you know what? I've watched seven-on-seven throughout all of OTAs and minicamps. Okay, they can just go – all the fly boys can go throw the ball around. I want to go watch the big uglies. I'm going to go watch – so I hardly ever watch seven-on-seven at training camp. And I miss some great stuff. You do miss some great catches because Coppins will make an acrobatic catch catch. every single day. Every day. I mean, and it's still not routine. It's still amazing to watch. And you just think, like, I hope I can catch it on my phone so I can put it on social media because I think it's so much fun for the fans that don't get to make it out to practice. As as far as the big uglies, though, I think it's more fun when we do joint practices with another team. That is fun, And then they're going against other other players. That's a lot of fun. When we went to San Francisco, we were out in Santa Clara for the 49ers practices in 2016, there were only certain places where we could stand as media, which is to be expected. And so – the way that they had configured, I mean, you got two teams going at it, so they would separate, then they come together, and they separate, they come together. Well, they were doing pass rush, and you and I are about three feet away. I was literally standing that close to them doing one-on-one drills, and it was awesome. I mean, I, I was, it was, I almost started coaching because I was that close to it. It's a lot of. It was really cool. It's and the a 49ers lot of fun. will be here uh, this this uh, this summer this, during training camp, the week after. We get back from the Greenbrier. They will. They're gonna they be, will be here for, and they'll, they'll be here in preparation for Game Two. Right. So, which is kind of nice, and I'm glad that the 49ers did not want to travel all the way to the Greenbrier because we had to stay another week at the Greenbrier, but we don't have to do that. We're only staying two weeks, uh, but it'll be nice. But because of that, we got to be down on the field and watch all. It's that's so much. That's fun. what Bill O'Brien likes to call chippy. Oh, yeah. Practice got a little chippy today. I thought, okay, now I now know what chippy means because I oh, heard yeah. that word in Denver <laughs> when we did joint practices. Oh, yeah. Heard it in Santa Clara when we practiced with the 49ers. Oh, don't miss the famous one. Which is the famous at one? At Bon Secours Training Center with the Washington Redskins. Oh, I mean, that was... That, was, he, I don't that think, was full on. I don't even think he dared to use the word chippy after it was, those practices. It was well beyond. <laughs> was, oh, my gosh. I mean, that, that Hard Knocks episode... Is maybe the greatest ending of all time, as Jonathan Joseph says. Let's get the bleep out of Richmond, I, and, and I, then it just goes to black. I was like, that I stood was, up and started that clapping. Was, that was hilarious because we all were there thinking oh, the, the whole, same thing. The it same was thing. Cold. It was miserable. They had oh. to cancel pra- the well. Washington canceled practice. We kept going. Yeah, but we were all done with Richmond at but, that point. Let's just go. Let's I mean, just start was, the season. It was all on ESPN. It was. It was crazy. <laughs> DP, I wrote an article as we get ready for training camp uh, for my breakfast today. And I titled it The Ultimate Eleven, which is something that I do. And essentially, it's just a my glorified list. But I gave it the name of The Ultimate Eleven, which I should copyright one day. So if anybody ends up with that copyright, they got it from me. Anyways, <laughs> I came up with my Ultimate Eleven most intriguing players to watch at camp. My my most intriguing players. And I came up – my number one was Tyra Matthew just because I it's still surreal to see him as a Texan. Uh, I Just watching him, he was one of my favorite college players – because he did, he did everything. He covered, he hit, he blitzed, he stripped the football, he rushed the quarterback. He did everything. And I'm always a big fan of players that do that. And, of course, he had personality. He was just – He has a great personality. He's just so much fun, and I'm just so glad that he's with this team. So I, I put him at number one, but I, I, I kind of run the gamut uh, of players that were most intriguing to me. So I said, all right, and I gave you a challenge to come up with your list of players. Now, you don't have to come up with 11, but your list of players – 
that are most intriguing and why? I think I think Tyron Matthews is an excellent number one. Uh, he was my number one, but yep. if we go beyond that list, now that pads are coming on, yep. I have to put O-line in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with Chantrell Henderson. Ooh, good just one. because I've seen him in the building, and he is humongous. And even the coaches say yep. he's uh, – what did, what did Mark Vandermeer call him? Is, uh, he's a small building walking around. He is. He's a small building. And then they talk about his footwork, mm-hmm. how they like his footwork. They like his size. So I want to see what he's able to do because it seemed like he had so much potential yep. um, until he had his all of his stomach and gut issues. Crohn's disease and Crohn's like disease. That, yeah. And so, you know, you want to see a guy with, with the physical attributes. And the fact that they really like what they were able to see as far as his technique, mm-hmm. it really intrigues me. So I can't yeah. wait to see him out there. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a great one. When he walked in this room, yeah. when he signed his contract that day, and they were all in here kind of car washing it, coming through all the different – he walked through. I was sitting right where you are. That's usually when Mark and I are together. I sit there, and I was looking at the door, and he walked in. He filled up that entire door frame, and I almost said it out loud. I stopped myself because I've done this before. But I was like, oh, my God, you're huge. I didn't say that, <laughs> like, but never, in my I've mind, ne- I'm thinking, holy <laughs> smokes. And then he shook my hand. And my hand is pretty big. He shook my hand, and I was like, oh, good Lord. If this hits, oh, man, this could be a huge find. So that's a good one. That's a very good one. I put Celio Calamete, Senio Calamete on mine. Uh, along with Martinez Rankin and Julian Davenport. So you know what? One. I have Senio and Julian as like 3A, 3B. Right. Uh, just because I've heard really good things about Senio yep. and what he was able to do. And it seemed like when the Texans signed him as a free agent, I remember reading through the comments uh, on Twitter and so many people were saying that it's really a loss for the Saints. Yes. Uh, but the Texans will hopefully be able to get him into a starting position. And it seems like, you know, he's going to lock up one of those guard spots yeah. yep. uh, based on whatever we've seen out there. And then obviously Julian Davenport saw very little bit of him last year, the the year towards yeah. the end of the year but taking over left tackle you really you really want to see that group gel yep. and work together so th- those are there uh moving on from the o-line though kiki qt yep. how much fun was he to watch in otas i felt like every ball that came his way every drill they did his hands were amazing his yep. speed is amazing then you see him on special teams and um i just like that his name is kiki and drake's got this whole in my feelings thing going on <laughs> oh, and i just oh, feel no, like i, I just feel that. like he's going to return a touchdown and he's got to do the dance or i'm going to oh, be he's so he's got to do the heart he's got to do it or i'm going to be so so disappointed in him like I don't care if it's four months old at that point. His name is Kiki, and he has to do it. Oh, that's, he has to do. Oh, it. that's great. I mean, he's he is he's electrifying. He is electrifying. And I remember watching. We were flying to New England to play New England. We were flying on a Saturday, flying to New England last year, and Texas Tech was playing at U of H, which is one of the downfalls of traveling on Saturdays to the games. I mean, we love going on those road trips, but. When there's a good local game, I mean, like Texas Tech U of H, that would be a great one to go to. Sunny day, it was hot, and he's tearing it up. I mean, he destroyed them. He was His highlights are unbelievable. Oh, he's so fun. And you talked about it. When they throw him the football, when he's throwing the football, he snatches it. He doesn't body catch. He doesn't let it get in near his body at all. There was one catch he made in uh, minicamp. He's going across the middle, and I can't remember who threw it. I think it was Joe Webb maybe threw it. It was a little bit high. Now, Everything really to him is high because he's five nine and a quarter, and he reached up, jumped and up and grabbed snatched it. it. Yeah, I remember I that mean, catch. I was like, "Wow, this guy's got an opportunity." So I like that one. Yeah, and some like Good. you're saying, some passes that you know you wouldn't, you could forgive him if he didn't catch it. Right. He seems he seems to make a lot of them that come Absolutely. in his general direction. The other one, Aaron Colvin. Oh yeah, the uh, slick way. The what did you call him? The slick way. The that's, slick way. That's that's his nickname. Oh, I like. Did you yeah. make that up? Slick. Or is that from Jackson? No, that's him. 
That's him. That's he does his, go by Slick, right? He does. He goes by Slick. That's his nickname. Okay, I didn't know if it was a Jacksonville thing or if it's just an Aaron Colvin thing. I don't know. That's just his nickname. I don't know how long he's been going with it. I but, like it. But he puts the Slick way on on all you know his his various social media. So uh, I he does sometimes. I I don't want this to come out sounding bad, but sometimes I forget that Aaron Colvin is with us, and then when I remind myself, like, oh yeah, Aaron Colvin. Okay, cool. You know what? He, okay, first of all, I was kicking myself because last week on my podcast I had Cecil Shorts. Uh, in here yeah. in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. And we were just talking about Cecil post-playing uh, retirement, mm-hmm. you know, all, all that stuff. We talked about the Texans. And I remember in my mind thinking, I, I'm going to ask about the secondary. I need to ask about the secondary. I need to ask about the secondary. And I didn't write it down. So we did talk about the secondary. And then as soon as we were done, we're walking out. I was like, Aaron Colvin. Yeah. They played together in Jacksonville. Yeah, for a year. And so we, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it off air. And he said, oh, that's my guy. Yeah. He's like, that's my guy. He was yeah. super excited about Aaron Colvin coming here. Didn't allow a touchdown last year. Right. And he's ranked third among slot corners. But he's going to do more here right. for the secondary. I think he's really excited about it. And I'm really excited to see some battles with him against these receivers. You know, it's interesting. We talked about the offensive line and secondary for so long as we were going into free agency. And there were a lot of people that thought, man, it's Nate Solder or bust. We got to get Nate Solder, or what are we going to do? And Nate Solder ended up commanding a, about fifteen million dollars per year. The Texans were able to get Aaron Colvin and Tyron Matthew, essentially. Who Tyron Matthew was not even on the radar at until point, free agency all. began. Yeah, because that's when he was released by the Cardinals, and the Texans were able to get both of those players. It's it's sort of like in two thousand eleven when they got Jonathan Joseph and Daniel Manning for the right. price. They could have gotten Namdi Asamoah, but they got two players for one. It's kind of the same thing. And it worked so out even better for hopefully them. Hopefully the same thing happens with Colvin and Matthew, that they're together like Manning and, uh, and J.J. work together. All right, last guy on my list, Justin Reed. Okay. I feel like I'm excited to see what he's able to do. We saw a little bit of him in OTAs and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think when you put the pads on, I want to see him, I want to see the one-on-one battles yeah. with him. I want to see where, they fit, where he fits in in the secondary. I want to see him with Tyron Matthew. I want to see him with pads on. I want to see him with pads on too. Yeah. I want to, yeah. You can really get a sense of these guys, their physicality, yeah, uh, in training. And camp. I mean, sometimes they're not going to let the second. And I know this having played safety because, as a safety now, now back in the day, my day, it was safeties. We were playing the run a lot, so we were just hell bent, and nobody was planning to block us. We were just looking to hit anything and anybody. It's a little different now. You're not during practice. You're not letting those safeties come up and take a lot of shots and things. But you can still see the physicality, and even without without pads, he's a big guy. I mean, he's a big safety. I mean, he's 210, 215, legit 210, 215. So now you put pads on, and he's a heat-seeking missile coming up to help stop the run. I, 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 stick, I pinch myself sometimes going, man, you got this guy in the third round? I mean, we talked about that third-round pick. Like, what are you going to be able to find? What are you going to find there? And they were able to find a guy like Justin Reed. Good job, DP. Excellent Thanks, job. Looking forward. I'm to- looking forward to seeing everybody. This. These, yes. this is just a few oh, on of the course. list, oh, and I'm sure no these storylines are going to change as soon as we see day one of practice. No, no doubt. Or day three when they put on pads. Then it's then then it'll be on. Yeah. We'll speaking know. of three, August third. Keep that on your calendar. All right, August third. It's down. See it. There it is. Thanks, DP. Thanks, Johnny. Some big news out of Indy. We'll go around the NFL next, right here in Texans All Access. One final segment before we get out of here this evening on a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Got plenty of work this weekend before 
We get off for the Greenbrier. I actually headed up on Tuesday. Everybody else will fly up on Wednesday. Practice will start on Thursday. So you schedule next week. Wednesday, all access will be live right there from the Greenbrier uh, Sports Performance Center from 6 to 7 Houston time. All the times will be Houston time. So 6 to 7 Houston time, even though it will be 7 to 8 for us over there in West Virginia. But looking forward to getting into 80-degree temperatures. That's kind of sad to say. So we'll have that Wednesday night. Then we will start Texas Training Camp Live the next morning, and we will carry that all the way for two weeks until we get to our last show will be Wednesday. I believe it's Wednesday before we fly to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs for the preseason game. Team fly home after the game. We'll all be home at that point and then get ready for the 49ers to come in for practice the following week. So there will be, I think there are five, train as, as you would call them, training camp practices, opportunities for you to get out and see this team the week after we the week after the Chiefs game essentially that I guess is that the that would be the third week mm-hmm. I guess it's the th- fourth week of training camp I guess you got kind of that little bit the first week and then you got a full week and then you got a half week before you play the Chiefs so yeah I guess it's it technically ends up being that fourth week there'll be opportunities for fans to get out here to see the Texans there'll be two opportunities to see them practice against the 49ers. I believe it's two, uh, the information that we saw yesterday. Now, obviously, that can be subject to change. There there might be one practice to the Niners and one that's close to the public, but I believe both of them are open to the public. So you're going to get a chance to see Jimmy Garoppolo, who went on a date the other night with an adult film star, and that didn't go over well for some people, one in particular who had a bunch of fake followers on Twitter, but that's not... Uh, for me to talk about in some sense, uh, Britt McHenry. But either way, Jimmy is getting it done uh, on the field, off the field. It appears <laughs> that's been a big talking point this offseason, who Jimmy Garoppolo is dating. And, well, there you go. So there's that. All right, let's go around the NFL. I don't know, maybe that's your first piece. But probably the biggest piece of news, if you will, around the league came from Indianapolis. Yes, Naptown. Chris Ballard met with the Indianapolis media. And he said that Andrew Luck is, and I quote, good to go for training camp. Now, Zach Kiefer, the Indianapolis star, put that out there. Quarterback will not have to begin next week on PUP. Luck will have no limitations, according to Chris Ballard, the GM I just mentioned. But the Colts will monitor the former first overall pick and give him scheduled days off to rest his surgically repaired shoulder. Said Ballard, and I quote, he's throwing the ball pretty well. Colts do anticipate giving reps to Luck in the preseason. He hasn't played. Last time he played was in 2016, and they had a comeback win against the Jaguars on that final week to get the Colts to 8-8 in 2016. And Luck had a comeback win, and I remember seeing him celebrate, and he had that big black uh, elbow pad on his throwing arm. And I just remember thinking, man, this guy, in that 2016 game when we played them up there, he got the you-know-what beat out of him that day and just kept stepping up, next play, next play. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, and the fact that he wasn't around for 2017 was not too much of a surprise. Now, the Colts have put some pieces in place. Ryan Kelly, they drafted a couple of years ago. 
They also drafted Quinn Nelson. They have Anthony Costanzo, left tackle. That's not, that's not bad. It's not a bad place to start. Best center in college from a couple of years ago, Kelly. Best guard, maybe, that I've seen in a long time in Quentin Nelson. And then Costanzo has been as as good. He's been good at left tackle. I don't know that I would say he's been Dwayne Brown good or he's been Trent Williams good, but he's been solid. If they get one of the other picks, Braden Smith potentially to hit. He was a second rounder. If they get him at that other guard spot, yeah, they might be young, but that's a line that's eventually going to grow and get better, and that's that's – what we have feared all along, Chris Ballard. If he had his quarterback, and he does, and that guy's healthy, he'll put the pieces around them. So Luck is good to go. Now, a couple of things. One, he hasn't played in a long time. Number two, even in OTAs and and minicamp, which was a scant five, six weeks ago, he was not throwing the Duke as it was asked of him in in the offseason. He was not throwing a Duke. He's throwing a college or a high school football, which is essentially the same thing. He has been throwing in that time since. He's been working with Frank Reich, I believe, to learn the offense, obviously, but also to throw the football. He's not done any 11-on-11. He's not done any 7-on-7. He's done none of that. So in the time that it's going to take, they report to camp. They play a preseason game. Andrew Luck in that time, which is not long. If you think about like I said, the Texans start on the 26th. They play the first preseason game on August 9th. And they're expecting Andrew Luck to play in the preseason. Not for long. And they shouldn't play him long, I wouldn't imagine, in, in the best situation. But he'll get some reps in the preseason. But he hasn't, he hasn't thrown a football in a, in a true football situation until he gets to training camp. So I know... I know some are expecting him to step right in. He'll be the Andrew Luck of old. Man, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a lot tougher than than it seems. But it feels like they've taken this long a timetable with the Colts. They feel pretty confident with what they're going to see from Andrew Luck. So they'll find out during uh, preseason and also during, during training camp and preseason what Andrew Luck does indeed have in that surgically repaired right shoulder. Now, he has put in a lot of work. He is apparently buff, cut, however you want to look at it. He's put in some time in the Sports Performance Center up there in Indianapolis. But Andrew Luck, good to go. Now, how does that change the AFC South? How does that change what people think about the AFC South? I don't know, but I saw this from USA Today yesterday. They did their division predictions. There is one division in football in the NFL – that has not one, not two, but three teams with double-digit wins. So one that I've been saying all along is the best division of football 2018. That is correct. It is the AFC South. Now, in those predictions, USA Today has the Jaguars at 12-4 and four and winning the division. They have the Texans second at 11-5 and five and getting a wild card. They have the Titans third at 10-6. and six. Also getting a wild card. So three teams from the AFC South making the playoffs this year in 2018. Under that scenario, they had the Chargers at 10-6, and six, the Steelers at 10-6, and six, and the Patriots at 11-5. and five. So the Jags and the Patriots will get the buys in the first and second round. And then, I don't know, they didn't, they didn't separate 10-6s between the Steelers or the Chargers. But if I did the math correct on it, it would mean the Texans would go to the Chargers for a playoff game. Now, the Texans have 
never played a wild card playoff game on the road. They've won the AFC South four times, so they have played an opening weekend game here. 2011, Bengals. 2012, Bengals. 2016, uh, 2015, Chiefs. 2016, Raiders. They have always played a first-round game at home. We would love for them to get a bye, no doubt. Would love for them to get a bye. If they get a wild card and have to go on the road to take on the Chargers or Steelers, I'd be all about it. I Road playoff games, I'm telling you, one, even though the Texans lost that night to, to the Patriots, that was as that was as fun a night as I've ever spent on a sideline. That was amazing. I kept looking around going, it's NFL playoffs, man. It's NFL playoffs. Got really excited. Now, USA Today did not think too highly of the Colts. I believe they had them at 5-11. and 11. So, I don't know if this news changes things for people with the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck, but I still feel like that Colts roster has some holes, and where they don't have holes, they have youth. But they do have Andrew Luck now, and apparently he is going to be ready to go. Uh, that's been the timetable all along. They have not pulled off it, but last year that same that same thought was there about Andrew Luck. Oh, he'll be ready to go. He'll be ready to go. But turned out he wasn't. So there has been some skepticism, and I'll be honest. Even the guy hasn't thrown a ball until late July with his team in practice and missed the entire year before, I get a little bit worried. Now, I mentioned this to Mark earlier in the show. If you missed it last night on the NFL Network, Sean Watson was interviewed and when asked how he was feeling going into camp, 100% ready to go. So that, and I think we anticipated that to the ground. I don't think there was anything earth-shattering in that. Be curious to see what Bill O'Brien has to say about Dr. Watson. But that all said, I think it was a great sign to know, okay, four's ready to go. Now, similarly to the Indianapolis Colts, how much do you let Deshaun Watson do? How much do you let Andrew Luck do? I think it's a question both Frank Reich and Bill O'Brien have to decide with those guys. Now, with Watson, there was never an issue with the arm. But with the legs running 11-11, how much live do you do? How much two-minute do you do? How much do you let him do? Is I think it's a valid question, and I think it's one that Bill O'Brien has already figured out a plan for. He's not going to tell anybody, but when he gets asked about it to Greenbrier, I'm sure people are going to get upset because he won't tell them. I wouldn't tell them either. No coach should say that. Well, we're not going to tell you what the exact plan is. We don't know. But there's going to be a plan for Deshaun. I don't know if it'll mean uh, an off day here or there, uh, not participating in a drill, limited preseason reps. I don't know. Again, those joint practice reps are going to be huge against the 49ers that they have the week after we get back after the Chiefs game. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Hey, a big thanks to DP Sitter for stopping by and talking to us about her most intriguing players to watch. you want to know what my ultimate 11 were, go to HoustonTexas.com. You can see my article from this morning and see who I think are, my opinion, the most intriguing guys. And look, Watson, Watt, Merciless, having all them back healthy, yes, they're intriguing. But there were other guys uh, that I feel like are very intriguing guys that I definitely will have my eyes on at the Green Briars. Go check that out at HoustonTexas.com. Mark Vandermeer came by. He essentially poo-pooed my idea for two quarterbacks in the game. I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to be a team that does it, and everybody's going to think that it's groundbreaking. And I wrote an article in 2004 about it. So 14 years later, people are catching on. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. And I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We will see you on Monday. Oh, and then it's training camp week. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texas.